What is? What is? What is? What is biblical counseling? Biblical counseling will grow you from brokenness to wholeness. The light bulbs are going off in my head. <laughs> this is like deep. I just haven't thought of it that way. It's mind blowing to me. I don't know if I've ever had anybody put it that plainly to me before. All this time I've been going to church, this never resonated with me. This is Transformed. And now your host, Assistant Professor of Biblical Counseling at the Masters University and Certified Biblical Counselor, Dr. Greg Gifford. Welcome to Transformed. My name is Dr. Greg Gifford, and I have the privilege of being your host. Today we're going to discuss the topic, what is the focus of your sanctification? How do we change? Do we focus on the problems and the areas of growth that we need, or do we focus on something else? You see, last episode, I taught through 2 Corinthians 3. I'd like you to grab your Bible if you can. Open it back up to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. This is the passage of Scripture where we see that Paul uses an analogy like Moses, who had to cover his face when speaking with the people of Israel. He says that we now, as Christians, through the work of God's Spirit in our life, we have an unveiled face that we can behold God. If you recall from last episode, that beholding God is integral to your change. So maybe we're stuck. Maybe we sense that we can't change. Maybe we're looking for change in our circumstances, in our medications, in our relationships. And yet what's transformative is not beholding new relationships. What's transformative is not beholding new medications. What's transformative is beholding the glory of the Lord. That's what brings about genuine transformation and change in our life. So verse 18 of 2 Corinthians chapter 3 says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. This is the emphasis of what genuine change and transformation looks like. So last episode, I said that you can, you can change. You're not stuck. That There is hope for change. And it's not because of how strong you are, or how capable you are, or how you can re-engineer your circumstances or get a better job. It's none of those things. It's because you can behold God as a Christian. The Holy Spirit has done that work in your heart. And the way you do that is through the lens of Scripture. Scripture is literally revelation of God to you. In fact, it's special revelation, meaning that God has specially revealed himself in the pages of Scripture. So when we look at how does God bring about change, he does it through revealing himself, and that revelation takes place in his word. Now, our, our change gets stalled at times. You felt this way? Uh, let me tell you what it was like in the military. See, we in the military and at FedEx, you've you've worked in environments like this, I'm sure. Where when I worked in the military, we would keep track of safety. Uh, that's everything from you know you got your toe run over to actual deaths that took place on base. And outside of the base at Fort Gordon, Georgia, there was a counter, and that counter was counting how many days since an incident. So you would drive onto base, you would look over at that counter, and sure enough, it would say three days, four days. I remember it getting to the double digits, and then inevitably, through some type of incident on base, the counter would reset. That's often how we treat our sanctification. 
we're measuring our sanctification by when is the last time that I sinned and when is the last time that I messed up? It's actually a very defeating way to measure your sanctification because what happens over time is no longer are you thinking about the progress that's being made and the transformation that's occurring. Rather, you're looking back and saying, well, today I grumbled. Today I was rude to my spouse. Today I got angry in my heart during traffic, you know, and we begin to go through this list. That's the counter understanding. What I would propose to you is that that is a sin-focused sanctification, where instead of me focusing on God, His glory, Jesus, our Savior, I'm focusing on all the ways that I have failed today. That's extraordinarily defeating. Here's why that starts to be defeating, because inevitably I will fail today. I may actually grow in being less grumbly. I don't know if that's a word, but I'm going to use it, less grumbly. I may grow in being less angry, but yet inevitably there's some other aspect of my life that's being refined and I'm growing and I need to grow. So what takes place is I still fail that day. So instead of me looking to the image of God in Jesus Christ, I look to all the sins that I've committed that day. I want to show you another passage. Hopefully you're able to keep your Bible close to you during these episodes because I'd like to both teach you Scripture and familiarize you with the Scripture. But I'd like for you to go with me to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews 12 is at the end of Hebrews 11, naturally so, right? But it's in the context of the great cloud of witnesses from chapter 11. When you have a moment, go back and read chapter 11, really verse 5, 6 and following, and you're going to see the patriarchs of the faith and the way that they demonstrated faith in adverse circumstances. It's all about walking by faith. In verse 6 of chapter 11, says that those that come to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that seek him. And the author of Hebrews then enumerates all the examples of what that's looked like throughout redemptive history. And then when you get to chapter 12, verse 1, the author says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. I want to pause there and, and do my best to explain. So in light of chapter 11, therefore, we are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. Maybe you had the chance to be in a stadium. I've been to one professional game, one um, baseball game. I've been to the Dodgers. I've been to the Braves. I've been to collegiate football and when you enter into a stadium, it's, it's designed in such a way that all of the seats are facing inward. They're looking at the field of play, whether it's the baseball diamond, whether it's the football field, whether it's a basketball court, whatever it is. That's the imagery that's being conjured up here, that we're surrounded by this cloud of witnesses from chapter 11, and that you and I, in the Christian walk, are running a race that may not be something that brings you great excitement. You may not be a marathoner. I'm not a marathoner. But we do at least understand the imagery here, that we're surrounded by these witnesses, that these fans are in the stadium, and they're cheering us on, and we have a race that's set before us. It's interesting because that idea of a race is used to communicate what your Christian life is like. And, and James 1 verse 12 says that you will receive a crown if you persevere in this life. 
2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul says that he has run the race, that it's done for him. He recognizes his race is coming to an end. And here in verse 1, this imagery of a race is put before the recipients of this letter. So let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. I like to look at different translations of the scripture as I'm studying. And one of the ways that this will be translated by the King James is a besetting sin, a sin that clings closely. Think of running with clothes that are wet. If you were running with clothes that are wet, they would stick to you. They would make it somewhat cumbersome. Uh, Not only would it begin to irritate you, but it would slow you down. This is the idea of being willing to rid yourself of sin that clings to you, but Yet the author of Hebrews isn't saying, let us focus on the sin that clings to us so closely. Uh, No, rather, it's let's eradicate and get rid of any type of sin that would hinder this walk, hinder this race, hinder this run. So verse 1 is entirely about helping the context of chapter 11 come to life, where the author of Hebrews is saying, look, in your race, in your sanctification, as you're looking for progression in the faith, Remember that you have this entire stadium of witnesses that have been faithful and you can be faithful too. They are cheering you on, so to speak. So eradicate sin. Be willing to put it off. Don't run with those wet clothes on that cling so closely to you. They will slow you down and irritate you. Verse 2, what is the focus of your race? Looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. What is your focus in this race? It's not the wet clothes that are clinging so closely to you. It's Christ. Jesus is the focus of your sanctification. Jesus is the focus of your race. You know, there are even running strategies today that teach you that you need to focus on the goal. So you're not focusing on your feet. You're not focusing on the ground, that you're keeping your head up and you're looking to the finish line or that you're looking to that next turn that will lead to the finish line. This is what the author of Hebrews is saying. Where is your focus? It's not on your sin. It's on your Savior that Jesus is the founder and the perfecter of our faith, that Jesus endured the cross, despising the shame, and accomplished what God sent him to do, so now he is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. When we look to Jesus in our sanctification, it is no longer a sin-focused sanctification, but now a Savior-focused sanctification. Your sins are not worth staring at. <laughs> you feel that way. I'm, I'm sure you do. Your sins are not worth staring at. Your Savior is worth staring at. He is the focus of your daily walk. We're going to take a short commercial break, and when we come back, I'm going to talk about how do you do that practically? How do you focus on your Savior and not your sin? The Association of Certified Biblical Counselors has certified thousands of biblical counselors that can walk alongside you if you are struggling with anxiety, depression, OCD, substance abuse, or something else. 
These certified biblical counselors can help you where you are, either face-to-face or virtually. And if you feel called to counsel others, ACBC can equip you to do so. So whether you're in need of counseling or would like to become a certified counselor, ACBC is there for you. Hello, this is Dr. Gifford. Would you please consider supporting our ministry financially so we can continue to bring you Transformed? We would love to produce even more programs that show how the Bible can straighten out our crooked thinking and conform us more to the image of Christ. But we can't do that without you. Your financial support will allow us to continue creating Transform to reveal how amazing grace is. If you're interested, you can do that at transformed.org. Masters University offers accredited undergrad, masters, and doctoral degrees in biblical counseling. You can learn more about our in-person or online programs at masters.edu. Masters University also offers over 150 additional programs. Please visit our website to learn more or come and visit us. We would love to spend a day with you introducing you to Masters University. Welcome back to Transform. The Bible would tell us that OCD is not a disorder. It is the fruit of wrong believing and wrong theology. And now your host, Dr. Greg Gifford. All right, welcome back. Thanks for joining us again. Remember what I was just saying, that we at times focus on our sin instead of on our Savior. Remember, the call of 2 Corinthians chapter 3 is to behold the glory of your sin. No, that's not what it says, is it? Hopefully that made you go, er, what? Hey, Dr. Gifford, you're losing it. Uh, yeah, that would not be accurate because the call of 2 Corinthians 3.18 is to behold the glory of the Lord. And as you behold the glory of the Lord, that's what brings about transformation. And yet, at times, we focus on the lack of glory of our own sin and our shortcomings. Let me explain what I mean by this. If I'm struggling with anxiety, at times my day is focused on how anxious I really was that day. I begin to think things like, well, I trusted God in that one moment, but man, I was sure anxious the majority of the other times, just feeling overwhelmed and stressed. I wish I could be less anxious today. I get to the end of my day and I'm exhausted because I've been anxious all day. Well, instead of me focusing on the supremacy and the glory of Jesus, Hebrews 12, Hebrews 12 verse 2, who is the founder and the perfecter of my faith, today I just thought about my anxiety. Maybe this works similar for you as it has for others. You see, I find in counseling that if I say, don't do it, put it off, that that's not helpful because many of us know that we shouldn't be anxious, but by simply saying, don't be anxious, it doesn't make us less anxious. I'm still anxious. I just, I can't figure out what to do with my anxiety. There's no positive means of escape from this. There's nothing to put on in that way. You see, when we focus on our sin, oftentimes we stunt the growth that God is wanting to take place in our life because no longer is it about conformity to the image of God. It's now about when is the last time that you sinned? 
That's a very different thing. To ask when is the last time I sinned is very different from me saying, did I grow to be more like Jesus today? You see, the nuance here is that I could focus on the counter, the days that I've had safe work environment, the days that I've had safe work environment. At FedEx, we would even get bonuses based off of safety. Inevitably, you've worked in an environment like this. Oh, I'm not debunking safety. You have to hear me. I'm all, I, I'm all about some safety. I love me some safety, although I don't ride with a seatbelt as much as I should. But by and large, it's a safe environment for me. Yet the goal is not that we are avoiding sin. The goal is that we are becoming more like Jesus Christ. That's the difference. That's the nuance. You're listening to this podcast right now, and some of you have been so entangled by the sin that clings closely to you, Hebrews 12, verse 1, and you feel like you cannot change. Well, you got to stop staring at the sin and start staring at Jesus, who is the founder and the perfecter of your faith. What a change that brings now. It's not that my sin is unimportant. It's not that I treat it with any less severity. The reality is now that it's not about when the last time I sinned, it's about am I being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ? That's what it's about. Now go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians 3, the first part says, behold the glory of the Lord. That's what brings transformation. When you behold the glory of the Lord, what takes place is that you're being transformed. What are you being transformed into? You're being transformed into that same image from one degree of glory to another. Now, chapter 4, verse 4, is going to say something profound about that image. Just, what is this, five verses later? Verse 4 of chapter 4 says, In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Satan has blinded the minds of those who are not believers. The veil still lies over their heart. But what can they not see? What can they not see? They can see many things. They can see sunsets. They can see landscapes. They can see careers. They can see family. But what can they not see? They cannot see the glory of Christ. Christ isn't beautiful to those that are not followers of Christ. There's, there's a missing link here. There is no capacity to view him as being glorious and better. But Christ is the image of God. So here's the point. The point is that you and I behold the glory of the Lord. We focus on Jesus Christ and we begin to reflect him back through our transformation that you look more Christ-like whenever you are beholding the glory of the Lord. You reflect him back. So verse 18 says that you're being transformed into that same image. What image is it? It's the image of God. Jesus is that perfect image, chapter 4, verse 4. Who do you look like? You look more like Jesus. Our focus is not on our sin. Our focus is on Jesus. And when we focus on Jesus then what takes place is we look more like him. It's the symbiotic relationship. Transformation occurs when you are willing to 
put off your sin and put on a focus of Christ and his superiority. I want to finish this episode by helping you tease out what that means practically. Let's start with your day. Let's start with how you're structuring your day. Most of us are running by a calendar to a certain degree that we have obligations during our day. We have certain places we need to be. We have work. We have hobbies. We have social life. Whatever that looks like, we have our day oriented. Well, my day is going to be oriented around who is Jesus. I'm going to meditate on the attributes of Jesus Christ. How do I do that? Uh, Again, like I said last episode, there are attributes of God that perhaps you want to consider. Uh, There's little books. One that I'm thinking of is by John Piper. It's The Superiority and Supremacy of Jesus Christ. Maybe you're going to study the life of Christ and you're going to get into the Gospels and continue to see who Jesus is and how he is God and man. Maybe what you're going to do is begin to write out little sticky notes all throughout your house and remind yourself of the nature of Jesus Christ. When you sin during the day, the, the question is not what sin did I commit, but the question is how did I fail to look like Jesus? When I'm struggling with anxiety, back to that point, how did I fail to look like Jesus? Well, I'm not completely trusting God the Father. So what do I need to do? I need to completely trust God the Father like Christ did. Not my will, but your will be done. As my day progresses, when I'm looking back over the day, instead of evaluating, did I sin today? The question is going to be, did I trust the Lord more today? Did I grow in Christ's likeness today? Now, I know that as you're listening to this episode, you're driving in different parts of the world. I'm recording now from the Master's University in Southern California, and traffic is a thing. And yet when we are sitting in traffic, it's an opportunity for us to behold Jesus and to be more patient, to be conformed to the image of God while sitting in traffic. So when you get home and you look back over your commute, are you able to say that you are more like Christ by being increasingly patient? If I just look back at my commute and I say, well, that one guy cut me off and I got irritated, so it was all a waste. I send. I'm back at zero. The ticker has restarted. I'm at zero. Then I've missed the fact that there has been progressive steps of transformation in my life. So even though it wasn't a perfect commute, I was less impatient. I was more patient would probably be the correct way to say that. So now the way that I'm measuring my day as I look back is not, geez, did I send today? It's How did I grow to be more like Christ today? I'll find that at times in counseling, people will feel defeated because of the fact that they sinned that day and then give up and continue to sin more. Well, it's because that's the wrong rubric by which to evaluate the faithfulness of your day. It's not about did you mess up today? It's about are you incrementally being transformed into the same image? If you're just going to track did you or did you not sin, then the result is going to be that we're defeated and now we give up in the endurance of this race. So Hebrews 12 grounds us. How do I practically do this? I look to Jesus. He's the measure of what I should be doing. When I look back over my day, he's the measure of am I conforming to his image? Is he the standard by which I'm measuring myself against? Or is it how many times have I sinned today? A Savior-focused sanctification is going to fuel faithfulness for you. No longer are you going to be keeping track of, did I sin? But you'll be keeping track of, am I growing into the likeness of Christ? 
when we grow into the image of Christ, 2 Corinthians 3, then we are experiencing genuine transformation, true transformation, lasting transformation. You see, that's what we're longing for in the end. How do we change? Well, it's not our circumstances. It's not our environment. It's not our relationships. Those aren't the things that exclusively must change, that we need to change our focus. Our focus has to stay on Christ and not the sin that so easily entangles us. Thanks for joining us today. Let me pray for you before we're finished. Lord, thanks for the listeners. I pray that you would gird them up in your word, that they would have confidence that Jesus is alive, Jesus is sitting at the right hand of you, and that his accomplishment of redemption on our behalf fuels our faithfulness. Lord, many of us are stuck in sins that have beset us for some time. May you keep our eyes focused on your son, Jesus, and not on our sin. Lord, we need help for this as it is no small task. So we need your grace, we need your mercy, we need your spirit. And we ask for these in Christ's name. Amen. Scripture and counseling blends theological wisdom and practical expertise, equipping you to counsel others and yourself biblically and powerfully. Get yours today at transformed.org.